Good morning, Seacoast. Great to see everybody. Who's happy to be in the house of God today? I am so glad to be here. I just got to tell you, this is off script, but I just had somebody walk into uh, our back green room that 45 days ago had a massive heart attack, and the doctor said he, there's no way he was going to make it. And uh, Kevin Strader walked into the green room a minute ago. So I'm just, I'm full of faith. I think God's going to heal some people today. I'm excited. Uh, just grateful for, for the house of God and all the prayers that have gone into that. My name is Josh Surratt. If I haven't met you, I uh, serve as a lead pastor here. I want to welcome all of our campuses that are with us, Asheville, Greenville. I saw pictures of snow coming from the uh, Midlands, the Columbia area campuses. We're glad all of you are a part of our family as well as those of you who are watching online. You know, it's been cold. Anybody agree? It's been very cold the last couple of days. And most of us, when we're cold, we can go back to our home uh, and, and put the heat on and get warm. But there are some of our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness right now that don't have that option. Uh, but they do because our West Campus, shout out to West, we opened up as a warming shelter. And uh, it's been open all week. It'll be open a lot of this next week. And I just wanted to show you guys a few pictures and tell you what's going on. We told you we were going to do this, but man, there have been people coming in every night and just being served, cared for. Uh, they put together these menus. Dream Team members are serving meals every night and every morning. And I'm telling you, this is church. And I love doing this, but that is church. Uh, that's where the hands and feet of Jesus meeting people in need and serving people. And so let's give it up for our West Campus and the warming shelter. Pastor Chris Russo, you guys are doing a great job. If you want to serve, uh, you can. We'd love to have you serve. Just text the word shelter to 320-320 and you can come be a part of that as well. And it will bless you, I promise, more than even those that we're serving. A couple of other cool things. I told you I'd keep you updated. And you guys are giving at the pace where I'm having to do updates like every other week. But we're doing a building project out on Johns Island. Uh, one of our locations is out there. We purchased land and uh, planning to build a building. And we told you we wanted to build, uh, raise $2 million to break ground. It'll probably cost around five. And we had somebody in the church that offered a $1 million match. And they figured that some of that would come in last year, and then the rest may come in throughout the year this year. Well, we got uh, news this week that we've already met the million-dollar match, the first million-dollar match. And so thank you guys so much for your continued generosity. So now another family has come and said, hey, we would also like to give a million-dollar match. And so we're working on that second million-dollar match, and we're believing we're going to do that campus with zero debt. Uh, do it with all cash, thanks to y'all's generosity. So thank you guys for that. And one more thing before we get into the message. About 20 years ago, uh, our founding pastor, Greg Surratt, had a vision to plant 2,000 churches in his lifetime. Uh, he, with some other friends, launched an organization called the ARC, the Association of Related Churches. And right now, as we speak, the 1,000th church is being planted through ARC up in Chicago, <laughs> Illinois. It's amazing. Uh, I've always been inspired by just him dreaming big and seeing God come through in, in, in light of that. Twelve churches in total being planted today. You may not know it, but if you've ever given here at Seacoast, uh, about 2% of what we give goes towards planting churches. So you guys are a part of that and wanted to let you know so that we could celebrate. So we all opened up today uh, with a song, I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. Uh, written by the band U2, uh, one of the greatest rock bands ever. Uh, some of you thought, well, isn't that from Sing 2? Yes, but it's written by you 2 We did the Sing 2 version of it. And uh, I'll never forget my 30th birthday. I went to see a bucket list for me was to see you 2 
in person. So I went to Chicago, Illinois. Jason Vandiver, who plays bass for us, is like, I mean, he knows everything you could ever want to know about the band U2, every sound man, every story. And so we went with a couple of other friends to Chicago to see them play. And the night before, we were uh, walking, we'd gone to dinner, we were walking back home, and we walked past their hotel that they were staying at. And there were hundreds of people crowded around the hotel, <clears throat> just kind of hanging out, security. They'd kind of uh, set aside an area where people could stand. And I thought maybe they're doing like an acoustic show or there's something going on. So we stop over to see what's happening here and come to find out hundreds of people have gathered just because they might see them driving into the hotel, like just on chance they would like you have reached a level of fame when people are gathering by the hundreds to your hotel just to maybe see you walk in and check in to your hotel. Just amazing. They've written so many great songs. The songs still haven't found what I'm looking for. It's probably their their second most famous song ever. Uh, they've been nominated or won, I think, 66 Grammys. Uh, Brandon, you're coming after that, but that's a lot of Grammys. That's, that's a lot of Grammys. Huge success, right? I mean, they are at the top of their game. How does a band like that? And Bono, by the way, uh, professing believer in Christ. And uh, my dad, he's here today. He would love for me to mention that he's met and had dinner with Bono. I don't think it's important, uh, but he thought that that was worth mentioning. But, you know, the band, their, their net worth, $1.2 billion for the band U2. Uh, Bono, $700 million himself, net worth. I mean, how does a band at that level of success, how do you write a song called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For? Like, how, how can you, you, you get there? How can you get to this level of fame? And, and I'm glad that you asked because we're in a series right now called How to Be Happy. And how many of you know we could use a little bit more happiness up in this world, but, but the happiness that we're studying during the series is not the kind of happiness that you get from writing a hit song or from attaining a certain level of success, but it's a happiness that's much deeper than that. And Jesus is addressing how do we as believers experience this level of happiness? And the, the passage that we're studying is the Beatitudes. And we've looked at the first three, blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, blessed are those who mourn, right? For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And this week, Jesus deals with this issue of us not having found what we're looking for. I want to read the, the verse to you today. It says, Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The Good News translation says, happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. God will satisfy them fully. I'm dedicating this message to anybody who still hasn't found what you're looking for. Anybody who may be here who, who you would say, you know, I don't feel like I've, I'm satisfied fully. Can, can you relate to that feeling of, of dissatisfaction? I was thinking about the, the times that, that I stand in front of the refrigerator. And anybody else done this? You know that you're hungry for something and you're standing in front of the refrigerator and you're not sure what you're hungry for. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, a lot of us have. The rest of you are lying in church. That's something that you'll need to deal with during response time. But, but yeah, we're just like, ah, the milk doesn't sound good and the leftovers don't sound good. I, I need something, but I don't know what it is that I'm looking for. And, you know, spiritually, a lot of us are the same way. There is this craving, this hunger that our soul has, all of us have, that needs to be satisfied. And we don't always know what we're looking for. And so we look to fill it in different places. 
And for some of us, it's a relationship. And, and maybe for you, you remember what it was like when you were single and you thought, man, I just need to get married. That's going to be it. That's going to satisfy me. And, and you got married and don't nod right now, but it still hasn't, it still hasn't satisfied, right? Like marriage is great, but, but it can't satisfy that longing that we're talking about, that our soul has been longing for. Maybe for you, it's in business that you've kind of been so driven and you figured, man, uh, when I get to this level in the organization or man, maybe when I own my own business, that's when I'm going to feel like I've arrived and I'm going to feel satisfied. This week, I was at a, a business leaders retreat that we did out at Church Creek with just about eight or nine business leaders here in the church. And we asked them to share their testimonies the first night and just about everybody during that first night shared a story of them looking for satisfaction in places that couldn't fill it and realizing, man, that that can only be found in Christ. I know for me, even when we built this building, you know, this building that we're in right now that I'm standing in is a fulfillment of a 20 year dream that we had here at Seacoast uh, to, <clears throat> to reach more people. And, and the town said no 20 years ago. And, and, uh, you know, you know, we, we've always been dreaming about it. We'd go to other churches and, and if I'm being really transparent and honest, there is a part of me that would be like, man, if only we could get into that building. You know, if only we could get there, that's, that's going to, and, and, and I've had to, to keep my heart pure and recognize that that it's just not true. And I remember the first day we were in this building, we're singing, ain't no grave. It's Easter Sunday, 2019. The place is packed out like it is right now. And I'm sitting on the front row. And I remember having this thought, this still doesn't do it. If, if, if this is what I need for that satisfaction, this doesn't do it. We need to do something more because it doesn't matter what it is. If we're looking for, for satisfaction to validate us in our career, in a relationship, in our finances, we're going to find ourselves in the same place that Bono and you two found themselves saying, you know what? I've searched everywhere and I still haven't found it. I still haven't found it. A friend recently gave me this book. It's called The Richest Man Who Ever Lived. Uh, and it's actually a really great book. It studies the book of Proverbs, and it's written about Solomon. And Solomon, we know, was the wealthiest man of his day. And if you factored in inflation, he would be the wealthiest man of our day today. And he was very successful. He had wisdom. He had all of this stuff. And he wrote the book of Proverbs. And we all love the book of Proverbs because it's like this uh, handbook for living. But did you know he wrote another book called Ecclesiastes? And some of you have told me, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. You're crazy. It's the most depressing book that you will ever read. It's awful. I mean, you read Ecclesiastes and it's the wealthiest man who's ever lived. He's attained a level of success that that's never been attained by another human being on planet Earth. And he writes this book and he, he talks about his pursuit. I want to read a couple of verses from Ecclesiastes. The first chapter, verse two and three, he says, everything is meaningless says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Then in, later in that chapter, he says, so I set out to learn everything from wisdom to ma madness and folly. But I learned firsthand that pursuing all of this is like chasing the wind. The greater my wisdom, the greater my grief. To increase knowledge only increases sorrow. Are you getting a little bit more depressed? I can encourage you. Chapter two, he looks for it in, in pleasure and work, and he comes to the same conclusions. He looks for it in adventure 
and, and thrills. He ends up having 700 and some wives or concubines, which is just amazing, uh, crazy. Can you imagine that? But it just shows you there's this longing, this hunger that he had, and he can't find it anywhere. He says in chapter seven, this is my conclusion, says the teacher. I discovered this after looking at the matter from every possible angle. Though I have searched repeatedly, I have not found what I was looking for. Bono and you too should have given some credit and royalties to Solomon because he wrote the song. He wrote the song. Still haven't found it. I haven't found it. I, it's, I still find myself not satisfied. Till the very end of the book, he finally tells us, here's now my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. He, he gets to the point where he says, the only place that you're going to find that satisfaction is in God. And so Jesus tells us the same thing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. I've been praying for you guys today, and I'm believing that there are going to be some of you, you're going to find that, that satisfaction today. You're going to find that satisfaction. All I want to do together is very simply break down that verse. What, 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 what does that mean for us practically? And I'm going to do it with three questions. And I'm going to start from the end of the verse to the beginning. Here's the three questions we're going to talk about. Number one, why aren't we satisfied? Why aren't we satisfied? I'm going to look into that. Number two, what is righteousness? He says we should pursue and hunger and thirst after righteousness. What is righteousness? And then the third question that we're going to look at, how do I stay hungry? How do I live a life of hunger after the things of God? So why aren't we satisfied? Why aren't we? We've talked about it a little bit, but two thoughts for us. Number one, because we fill up on the wrong things. We fill up on the wrong stuff. Look at Isaiah 55 and verse 2. He says, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? You know, your earnings for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight in abundance. He's addressing this issue. He's like, why are you spending all of this money and time and things that have no business satisfying you? And many of us, we aren't satisfied because we filled up on stuff that's not going to satisfy us. I'll confess some things to you, and I only do it to you for accountability and because I know I'm a little bit better than you, but there, there are, it's not, not really true, but, but I've, I've often struggled with my weight and with eating, and I found myself a few months ago, I would go to the, gro the gas station, and you know, now that it fills up on its own, basically, you get it started, and there's all this time that you have to fill, and so what I would do is go into the gas station on my way home for dinner, and I would just find a little something, something to snack on, some salt and vinegar chips, maybe. Uh, some days I would snap into a Slim Jim. Come on, somebody, that greasy piece of, of meat. Sometimes I'd have a Reese's peanut butter cup because that is of the Lord, and I knew that he would want me to have that. And occasionally, and Lisa and I have had major fights about this, I would get some chicken from Spinks. Now, I'm telling you, that is some good chicken if you haven't tried it. She thinks she's too good for chicken from a gas station. And she needs to repent of that. But it's, it's tasty. And so I would go and... But I found myself pretty much every day after work, and this is actually kind of embarrassing, but I would swing through a gas station, I would grab something, and I would eat it on the way home. And I'd get home, and Lisa would have prepared this amazing steak dinner, and Morris knows what I'm talking about, because I'd get there, and I'm like, ah, I'm not really that hungry, because I filled up on junk. I missed the great meal, because I filled up on junk. You guys know this. You've done it. Thanksgiving, right? 
How many of us have filled up on deviled eggs or cheese and crackers or whatever? And we get to this massive spread and it's like, man, I don't even, I don't even know if I can have any, more, any room left. You know, spiritually, we can do the same thing. You know, we're hungry. God has prepared a meal for us, but we fill up on stuff that, that's just junk food. You know, and it could be a number of different things. And we all know what it is for us. Maybe for some of you, it's relationships and you kind of find yourself bouncing from one to another to another, hoping to be filled, but you're just filling yourself up on stuff that can't fulfill you. It could be sex. It could be alcohol. It could be uh, th those types of things. It could even be some things that are good, but they weren't ever intended to fill us like our family, you know, education, success. We fill up on, on the wrong stuff. Another reason why a lot of us aren't satisfied is because we don't think we'll like what's good for us. We just don't. You know, we don't think that we're going to like what's healthy. I know for me, I've always lived my life with an assumption that if it's good for me, I'm not going to like the way it tastes. That's just kind of how I've assumed things would go. And, and I've been on this health journey. I've actually lost 30 pounds uh, as of this morning. So come on, praise God. And all of our family's doing it together. Uh, we're, we're kind of rocking this, this program this year. And, um, and so we were together last week and uh, my wife made a meal for everybody. And she was making spaghetti, which I was super excited about, except she was making it with artichoke heart palm instead of pasta noodles. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little old school. I like my noodles to actually be noodles. And I like some fettuccine Alfredo sauce on that stuff. Maybe some marinara, some meatballs. That's how I like it. But she was making it with like a lemon sauce. I'm like, this is going to be gross. I mean, let's just be honest. And olives and artichoke heart, you know, as, as the spaghetti. And, and there was a little chatter. I'm not going to just rat anybody out, but there were some of us that as she was making that dinner, we were thinking this is going to be nasty because it's good for us. And that's just how we expect it. But we sit down at the table and my family's here. You guys all agree, right? We sit down and we take one bite and it's like, oh my gosh, where has this been for the 42 years of my life? It was, it was amazing. I don't know that I really ever want the other kind of spaghetti again except Olive Garden, maybe once or twice for the endless salad. And that, 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 does, that does satisfy too. But here's the point. The food tasted amazing. And I didn't even want it because I just assumed if it's good for me, I don't want it. And a lot of us do the same thing spiritually. A lot of us, you know, maybe you grew up and you knew you're supposed to go to church or you've kind of had this, you've felt like your faith or your religion is an obligation, but you've never really thought you would enjoy it. You've never really thought that it would be something that would, would satisfy you. And so maybe you've gone through motions before, but you've never fully engaged with your heart. And here's what I want for you so badly. I want for you to, to experience what the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 8. He said, taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Man, God, the, the things of God... <laughs> Living a life fully yielded and surrendered to him, it is so good. And a lot of us have just not, not tasted and not seen it because we just assumed we wouldn't like it. And I know some of y'all, some of y'all assumed you wouldn't like sushi either. I was that way. Dead minnows, who wants to eat that till I tasted some good sushi? And it's like, uh-uh, no, I know, this, I know what it is to eat some good stuff. And I've tasted and seen if you'll walk with God, if you'll fully surrender your life to him, there is some goodness and there is some satisfaction waiting for you. So some of us, we, we just haven't, haven't been satisfied because we filled up on the wrong stuff. We just didn't think we would like it. So what do we do? We Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they'll be satisfied. What is righteousness? That's a very churchy word, isn't it? Uh, we don't use that a ton in our day-to-day conversations. It's actually a word that's used over 100 times in the Bible. And it's, it's a pretty complex word. There's a Greek way of saying it. I have no idea how to say it. If Adam Martin were preaching, he would do that. But he's not. I am. And so I don't know. I don't know how to say it. But, but I've looked up definitions of righteousness. And one uh, like theological dictionary, the definition for righteousness is 26 pages long. So it's, it's, there's a lot there. I'm not going to give you the 26-page long definition, but I, I boiled it down to two things that righteousness is. The first thing, righteousness is a relationship. Righteousness is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. It's the state of being right with God. It's waking up every morning and not wondering whether or not that you are right with God because of what you did yesterday. And some of you need to know this. You are not a commodity to God. God is not valuing you based on what you did, what your, your latest great thing that you did was. See, our being right with God is something that we can never attain on our own. Some of us have thought of it that way. We've thought, well, as long as I do more good than bad, or as long as I'm better than the other people down my row, <laughs> maybe I'll be right with God. That's not how it works at all. See, righteousness cannot be attained on your own. It has to be attained through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says it so simply. He just says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart, not by what you did right, not by getting church attendance perfectly. It's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, right, righteousness. That's, that's what righteousness means. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. I got invited to go to the national championship game a couple weeks ago. A friend of mine called me on a Saturday and said, hey, I had somebody cancel and I've got a ticket. I've got a suite, a box suite full of food. It's going to be amazing. All you have to do is get there and I've got everything else covered. And so I did what any uh, Christ following man would do is I said, yes, I will go to that. There's ministry for me in Indianapolis. <laughs> And so I made my way there. And, uh, and it was amazing. I wish Clemson was playing, but they weren't. I was a Bulldogs fan that night, and so they, they won. And it was, it was amazing. We get up to this. Um, we don't need to hear anything else from you guys, Bulldogs fans, okay? Just kidding. But it was, it was, it was crazy. They had this spread. We walk in. We go up into this elevator and into this sweet level floor where, I mean, it is the who's who of college football. There's athletes everywhere. There's country music singers. There's, I'm like recognizing all of these people. And I, I realize very quickly, there is one person that does not belong here, and that's me. <laughs> and, and so you get up off of this elevator, and there's a security team there, and they're making sure that you belong. Uh, and, and here's the deal. My friend Greg Brooks was what his name, name is. And he's the one that brought me. He had the tickets. And I knew that as long as I stayed near Greg, I was okay. I would walk in and they'd say, who are you? Why do you belong here? Not on my own merit. I couldn't even afford a ticket to the cheap seats in that game. But, but I'm with Greg. And as long as I was near him, I knew that I was, I was accepted. I belonged. I belonged in that space. And so we would go explore the stadium. And I made sure I stayed real close to Greg because he's my ticket to the suite, to the box, to the good food, to all of that, that stuff. And some of you have never felt like you belonged or you've wondered if you belong. And I'm telling you, on your own, none of us really do. But Jesus has a sweet level box waiting for us. 
in heaven one day. Come on, somebody. It's going to have streets of gold. And we're going to get there one day. And the question is going to be, why do you belong here? And the answer is not because I did more good than bad. Not enough. The answer isn't, well, I was better than. No, the answer is I surrendered my life and gave my life to Jesus. And I've been building this relationship with him. I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. And the invitation is come on in, you belong. And guess what? You can also belong in any environment. The Bible says that God gave us dominion here on earth. That we don't have to wait till heaven one day to experience heaven on earth. We can belong. We can have ownership because not because of what we did, but because we are with Jesus. Have you made that decision? Have you given your life to him? If for some of us, you're going to do that today. And then some of us are going to get baptized. Why? Because baptism, you know, the Bible describes this relationship that we have with Christ as, as uh, we're, we're the bride of Christ. And when I got married on that wedding day about 21 years ago, you know, I put on this wedding ring as a symbol that, hey, I am married. We belong to each other. We're committed to each other. And any, any room I've ever walked in since then, I've walked in with this wedding band on that says, I'm, I'm with Lisa. You know, I'm taken. And one of the symbols of this relationship that we have with Jesus is that we would get baptized. The Bible says, repent and be baptized. It's, it's like identifying. It's like putting the team jersey on. It's saying, hey, I'm with, I'm with Jesus. I'm identifying with him in his death, and I'm raising up to new life. And we're going to do that on one of the coldest days of the year. Uh, we're going to do that here at all of our campuses. Uh, I know here we've got a hot tub out there. You're going to want to stay in there. You want to ask them to hold you under for a long time. But, but why would we do it? Because, man, we want to experience, we want to be obedient to what God has called us to do. We want to get baptized. So at righteousness, it's a relationship, but it's also a lifestyle. It's also a lifestyle. It's being right with God. But then it's living out a lifestyle of obedience to what he's called us to do. I love this passage in 1 John 2, verse 29, the message version. He says, once you're convinced that he is right, Jesus, and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. Think about that phrase, practice righteousness. There are many times in scripture that the Bible talks about us practicing righteousness. And so, again, it's not to get right with God. That can only be attained through that relationship. But once we have that relationship with God, he's called us to a life of obedience, to practicing righteousness, living out a lifestyle of righteousness. And Jesus says, blessed are you people that learn how to hunger and thirst after righteousness, after that relationship with God and after that lifestyle of obedience, for they will be satisfied. So our last question, how do I cultivate a hunger for God? And how do I, I want, I want to be the kind of person that next January, I'm more hungry for God than I am today. I want to be the kind of guy that tomorrow I'm, I'm, I'm closer to Jesus. I'm, I'm pushing, I'm, I'm going after him more than I am today. Because I promise you, I've, we've all seen hunger at, at work in our life. We know how to hunger for the career. We know how to hunger. How do we channel that hunger for the right things? I have three simple thoughts for you, and then we'll close. Number one, how do I stay spiritually hungry? Remind myself how much God loves us. See, you're not going to be hungry for him if you still think he's mad at you. You know, some of you, you've read maybe in the Old Testament, you've read about the wrath of God, which is a very real thing. 
But you need to know the wrath of God has been satisfied in Jesus Christ. He's not mad at us anymore. We don't have to wonder how he feels about us. And some of you, you don't want to hunger after God because you, you don't think he likes you. Why would you want to be around somebody that doesn't like you? And, and I'm telling you, my, my dad began, I think, a journey on this about 10, 12 years ago. And he began to, to, to encourage us. I hope you wake up every day and your first thought is that God loves you. Your first thought. Again, you're not a commodity. His, his attitude towards you isn't determined on you know, what you've done right or what you've done wrong. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're his prized possession. He paid with his life for you. He loves you. And some of you just need to let that drop from your, your brain to your heart to realize that there is a God who is crazy about you. Michael Moore said it during our 21 days of prayer and fasting last week, which by the way, today's the last day we can hunger and thirst for righteousness and some good food as well. But he said, man, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Your Christmas card, he'd have it up. People walk in. He's like, let me tell you about him. Let me tell you about her. He's crazy about you. And my prayer for you today is the same as Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church. When he said, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Some of us have been searching for that being made complete. We want that power, but you got to start with just knowing how much God loves you. He's crazy about you. Second thing for us, make knowing him your number one goal. Just make knowing him your number one goal. It's January. A lot of us have a lot of goals. They're great. I love resolutions. Do it. But make sure God is the first. Make knowing him your number one goal. Why? Because order is important. You know, what's first in your life is really going to flow into what everything else that you do in your life. That's why Jesus said, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And look at this next phrase. Live righteously. Hunger after righteousness. And he's going to give you everything that you need. All the things that we stress about. All the things that we pray for. All the things. He says, man, if you will seek God first. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of the other things. Order is important. Your priority determines the capacity which you'll experience in our lives. So make knowing him number, number one. When you think about your goals, when you wake up every morning and, and you think about your day, make sure knowing God is on it. Read your Bible. Spend time with him. I know for me, one of my goals is to read the Bible every day this year. I use the YouVersion app. I had a pretty awesome streak going. I put it on Instagram a couple of months ago and just kind of a little humble brag on uh, how many days I had. And then Thanksgiving Day, I blew it. Started back over on zero. It's okay. Not because of legalism, but I want to know him more. You know, I want my daily bread. I want to hear from him every day so that I can go see and experience what he has for me in any given day. And then my third thought for us, how do I stay spiritually hungry? I'm going to remind myself how much God loves me. I'm going to make knowing him my number one goal. And I'm going to join a small group for support. Some of you are like, that's not very spiritual. Like, that doesn't seem like it fits in a list like that. 
Did you know that whoever you spend the most time with is gonna determine what you're hungry for? Your appetite is fed by your associations. And some of you, you're hungry for the stuff that you're hungry for because you're spending time with people who are hungry for, for the wrong things. If you hang out with people who are constantly checking the stock market, you're gonna be constantly consumed with the stock market. If you're with people and all they talk about is politics or what's going on, you're gonna find yourself just hungry for that. But we gotta get around people who hunger and thirst for the same things that we wanna hunger and thirst for. Your, your appetite will be fed by your association. I know this from firsthand experience this week. Told you our family's all trying to do the right thing, eat well. We were together, we were playing cards, we were celebrating the birthday of one of the kids in the family. And uh, somebody brought out some cheesecake for the kids. But we knew as adults we were not going to be participating in that uh, because it wasn't a cheap meal. And so we held strong. And it wasn't even a big deal. It was like, man, we're all on the same page. Until there was one or two members of my family who began to compromise a little bit. And they decided, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to have a little bit of cheesecake. And I would never throw anybody under the bus because... <laughs> Because the founding pastor and the legacy pastor as well mean a lot to me. But they, they had a little cheesecake, right? And all of a sudden, I find myself and the rest of us, Jenna can testify, like we wanted that so bad. It was like everything, we had to leave the room because we were around it. And I want to just share, I didn't have any cheesecake that night, and so I did I did withstand. Now, if some of you follow me on Instagram and you saw me post from the crazy Mason yesterday, it was my cheat meal. And I did have that yesterday. It was awesome. But, but the bottom line is, man, we are going to crave the things that the people around us are craving. Are you, are you surrounded by community who is spurring you on to hunger and thirst for the right things? Or are the people in your life pointing you towards the same things that, that will leave you saying the same thing that Solomon said? The same thing that Bono said, I still haven't found it. Man, my prayer, I want this so bad for you. I want this so bad for you to experience what it feels like to be satisfied, to just be satisfied. If you're here today and you need that community, you can do it. It's, it's not, we, we, we had two Connect weekends and some of you are like, it's not Connect weekend. You get a bonus one this weekend. Just text Connect to 320-320. We will help you. We'll help you find some friends that are hungry for the same things that you're hungry for. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Will you pray with me? Father, that's what we want. God, would you help us with this? Would you help us to hunger and thirst for you, for righteousness? God, I pray for the people that are here today that maybe they would just say, you know what, I've never really experienced a relationship with God. All I've ever experienced are rules or religion or going through the motions. And if that's you today and you would just say, man, I want to have a relationship with God. You don't have to know the 26-page definition of righteousness. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just have to simply say, you know what, I know I can't get there on my own because of my own sin but I'm putting my trust in Jesus who lived out that righteousness. He lived out a life void of any sin. He died on a cross and he rose from the dead so that I can stand on his righteousness, not on my own. And that when I approach God here and in the afterlife, 
I can say I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. You just say that in your own way. I want to give my life to Jesus. Well, Lord, there are many of us that are here today and we're just feeling dissatisfied. Lord, maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's in pursuit of adventure or career or financial success. We found ourselves back in this place of our soul, the deepest part of our soul. We still don't feel satisfied. Would you help us to hunger and thirst after you? God, would you remind us how much you love us? Or would you help us to make you our number one goal, our number one priority? Surround us with people who will spur us on to hunger and thirst after you. Lord, help that to be our primary hunger in our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, we're going to respond to God. I'm so full of faith this weekend. Please don't leave during response time. This is about 10 minutes that we're going to open up some time for you to just reflect. What is God saying to me today? And what am I going to do in response? And there are some of us that maybe you're here today and you know that you've been filling up on the wrong things. You know what that means for you. And I just want to encourage you to go to the cross. Just leave it there. Say, God, I want to empty myself of these things that I've looked to to satisfy that can't. And as you go to the cross and you write down whatever it is that maybe you've been filling up on and leave it on the cross, I'm just praying that God is going to fill you with his love, with his grace, that you would feel full and complete and satisfied in him. Maybe some of you have given your life to Jesus today and you prayed that prayer. I want to encourage you to get baptized. There are going to be a lot of people that get baptized today. You're like, dude, it is 25 degrees out there. I'm telling you, it's a hot tub. It's going to feel great. We've got shirts, shorts, towels. We've got everything that you need. There's no, no reason why you wouldn't. But to say, you know what? For you, hungering and thirst after, thirsting after righteousness is just being obedient to the next thing God's called you to do. And that's to just identify with him in baptism. We'd love to celebrate and partner with you in that. Some of you, maybe you are dealing with something in your life. And I mentioned at the beginning of this message that, man, Kevin, my friend, Kevin Strader, when I went to see him and prayed over him, his body was lifeless and the situation felt hopeless. The doctors even told his wife that he wasn't only the sickest person in the hospital, but he was the sickest person in the state of South Carolina and to prepare for the worst. But our God is a God of resurrections. Our God is a God of hope. And so I want to encourage you. I'm believing for it. Our prayer teams are believing for it. We've seen God move. Just whatever you're dealing with, come. We'd love to pray and just speak faith and speak hope into your circumstances and your situation. Some will light a candle. Maybe you know somebody who's far from God right now or it seems like they are. You just want to light a candle and pray for them. Some will take communion. We'll do that together just to celebrate that it is the righteousness of Christ that sets us free, that we stand on, that we can look to God and go, I know I'm right with you because of what Jesus did for us. And then we're going to sing. We're going to celebrate. The song that we're singing is called, Oh, Come to the Altar. Some of you may just want to come and pray. That's great. Whatever God leads you to do, what's God saying to you today? And let's respond to him together as a church.